Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Welcome to Girl on the Gov, the podcast, breaking down politics as we know it and removing all the bullshit. (laughs) Because politics needed a (laughs) rebrand. Hey guys, welcome back to Girl on the Gov, the podcast. We are super excited to have you guys here for this super special episode. We know that we're usually a Wednesday show, but this week we have two episodes, a two for one deal. This episode is in honor of Juneteenth, which is tomorrow. We have an amazing interview, which we will get to. Iconic. Like, Iconic doesn't honestly begin to cover No. Like, I don't know how we scored this, but it's pretty dope. Like, I think I might be starstruck for the next five million years. It's a a history lesson. It's a civics lesson. We're going to go through it all. What is Juneteenth? What is a federal holiday? How are one of those enacted? We're going to get to all of it. So are we ready? We're ready. And you know what we're going to start with? The history of Juneteenth? Oh, you nailed it on the head. (laughs) Well, let's get after it because Juneteenth, you guys, Juneteenth, it's kind of a play on words. You know, it's June 19th is the official day we're talking about. Juneteenth is a fun way to say it. We love it. We stand. We do. We do. It really does Um, have a nice ring to it. It really does. It really flows off the tongue. But Juneteenth is also known as Emancipation Day or Freedom Day, and it is the oldest nationally celebrated commemoration of the ending of slavery in the United States. However, it is not a national holiday, which is crazy. So a little background here. The end of slavery, we all think, right? Emancipation Proclamation. The Emancipation Proclamation was issued by President Lincoln on January 1st in 1863. However, not everyone was given their freedom. So basically, the enslaved in Texas had remained in bondage almost two and a half years after President Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation. And on June 19th in 1865, Major General Gordon Granger of the Union Forces read general order number three at several landmarks in port city of galveston so we had a messenger here finally get the word to texas that slavery had ended but no one really knows why 
the news had not made it to Texas two and a half years prior. But the suggestions range from deliberately withholding the information by enslavers to ensure the labor force stayed for plantation owners wanting to get in one more cotton crop like season or one more harvest. And there was also actually Lincoln's messenger that was bringing that news to Texas after the Emancipation Proclamation was murdered. So a few reasons why Texas remained enslaved for two and a half years. So by 1866, the news had been well-processed and people returned to Galveston on pilgrimages. Many of the early Juneteenth celebrations were centered around churches and there were prayers, parades, singing, all the good stuff celebrating the proclamation. The main goals of these kind of early gatherings and celebrations were honoring the formerly enslaved and lifting up black people in Texas and beyond, but a resistance formed and they were actually barred from using public property for these Juneteenth festivities. And then in Houston, that actually changed in 1872 when local churches raised funds and purchased land that became Emancipation Park. But for decades, Juneteenth was actually mainly like a Texas thing. And it moved west and north um, in later years of the Great Migration. But by the 1950s, it had almost fallen by the wayside, only to be revived by the Civil Rights Movement and MLK's assassination in 1968. And since then, it has grown in importance. Texas adopted Juneteenth as a state holiday in 1980. And in recent years, all but three states have as well. So... Millions of Americans, as we know, last year kind of took to the streets to protest racial injustice last summer in response to George Floyd's death, Breonna Taylor's, and other black Americans killed by police. This movement last summer sparked an ongoing dialogue around systemic racism and police brutality, and the protests also raised attention of the importance of Juneteenth, and companies including Nike and Twitter and Uber started to give employees paid days off for Juneteenth. And then finally, last year, Rep. Sheila Jackson Lee and Senator John Cornyn of Texas introduced a bill to make Juneteenth a federal holiday amid the mass protests, and it gained more support this year, garnering 18 Republican co-sponsors. And you guys... We get to ring the bipartisan bell! Bipartisan bell, you guys, because finally this act was passed unanimously in the Senate on Tuesday. And literally hours before our interview with Miss Opal Lee, who we will get to in a second. But we want to also explain this process of getting a federal holiday enacted because it is kind of confusing. And, you know, who has that power and how does that process work? We're here to explain. We are. We are. And so federal holidays are kind of a funky thing. There's only 10 of them currently. Hopefully there'll be 11 by the time you guys are listening to this episode. But regardless, it is really, really hard to get a federal holiday on the books. Part of that argument is that there have been many reports that have found that federal holidays cost taxpayers about $200 million per day. And that that stat has been used time and time again. That was actually from 1999, but if we calculate that for inflation, think about sort of what that means. Regardless, there is constant sort of pushback both sides of the aisle on editions of federal holidays. Often they are negotiated. One such switch even relating to Juneteenth was the possibility of switching Columbus Day for Juneteenth. But that did not stand, right? So regardless, 
that's a conversation, but how does change actually happen in this? So in United States code USC 6103, yes, that very sexy number, that very sexy code, basically gives the authority to Congress to create holidays solely for federal institutions, including federally owned properties, employees, and also for the District of Columbia, right? So they're tasked with that lovely thing, which means that the process for changing this needs to be accomplished through law. So getting a bill passed, an act passed, it's the same process, right? So the Juneteenth Independence Day Act was brought to the table. So this law, this bill was reviewed by the Senate, hence our news moments ago, their little bipartisan bell. And it passed using this concept of unanimous consent. So ironically, the same rules actually was stopped from passing in the past. But let's go over what that rule means. Unanimous consent. It's basically when a senator may request consent on the floor to set aside a specified rule procedure so as to expedite proceedings. No senator objects. The Senate permits the action. But if any one senator objects, the request is rejected. So previously we had a little senator, Senator Johnson. Call him out. Yep. He had brought this to the table using this rule and then was the rejector. So it was not able to pass. However, in the hours prior to us recording, he flipped the switch saying that there was no appetite for conversation against this particular law, bill, act, etc., and decided to rule unanimously with the rest of his colleagues. So the Senate bill had 60 bipartisan co-sponsors, which meant it could overcome a filibuster if any senators had objected. So even here, the filibuster actually wasn't relevant for once. Oh, thank goodness. But of course, this now is going to the House. So the House will vote on this and we will see what happens. But fingers crossed. And I do want to add a little like fun fact where I think people get confused in terms of holidays and its connection to the federal federal level is presidents can actually declare a one-time holiday with an executive order. So say a national tragedy occurs, he can create an executive order that gives a special day of remembrance for something, but is a one-time thing. It's not a yearly annual situation. So, well... Let's talk about Miss Opal Lee because she is the champion, really, of getting Juneteenth recognized as a federal holiday. I mean, she has been at it. She's literally been deemed the grandmother of Juneteenth. And you guys, we literally got to talk to her on Tuesday, hours after the Senate unanimously confirmed this act. Like, The Hill hadn't even published the article yet announcing this. And yeah. We found out from her, like, so emotional and excited about it. It was the most incredible thing. You'll get to hear it in a second, but crazy. And let's just get a little background on Miss Opal Lee because she's pretty incredible. So when 
Miss Opal was growing up in Texas. She spent Juneteenth picnicking with her family, first in Marshall, where she was born, then in Sycamore Park in Fort Worth, Texas, near the home she moved into at age 10. And so she and her family lived in a predominantly white neighborhood, actually, in Fort Worth. And when Miss Opal was 12, a mob of 500 white supremacists set fire to her home and vandalized it. The structure was completely destroyed and zero arrests were made. And it's just a very early memory for her celebrating Juneteenth, kind of in the heart of it all too in Texas. And she, you know, experiencing that hate crime really pushed her into a life of teaching and activism and eventually campaigning. And so in 2016, at the age of 89, you guys, Miss Opal decided to widen her Juneteenth focus and get it accepted as a national holiday. And so that has now really become her life's quest. She began with a symbolic walking from her Fort Worth home to Washington, D.C. So a symbolic walk, meaning she set out with a daily goal of doing two and a half miles in the morning and the evening to honor the number of years that it took for the news of emancipation to finally reach Texas. But after a few weeks, she kind of changed her strategy and moved toward walking only where she was invited to speak at Juneteenth events. So she had tons of invitations and she was asked to participate in festivities in Denver, Colorado, Madison, Wisconsin, and more. And Miss Opal traveled to the Capitol actually this February to reintroduce the Juneteenth National Independence Day Act. And as she said that day, she said, I refuse to let the efforts we've made die on the vine. Miss Opal hopes that if she achieves her goal, the day will return to its original intent of educating, celebrating, informing, and bringing all people together because she said, I don't mean just black people. Nobody is free until we are all free. And you guys, so, you know, we just got to sit down and talk to Miss Opal this week. Again, on Tuesday, right when the news broke about the Senate's unanimous decision. So let's hear from Miss Opal about her life of activism around Juneteenth and pushing for this legislation, why she was crowned the grandmother of Juneteenth. And again, we also got to see her reaction to the fresh news from the Senate. So here is Miss Opal Lee. My name is Opal Lee. And really, I'm just a little old lady in tennis shoes getting in everybody else's business. And I'm having a good time doing it. I love that. Oh, I don't know where to start because I've been associated with Juneteenth for over 40 years. And I help with the organization of the Tarrant County Black Historical and Genealogical Society. And we would do Juneteenth celebrations every year. And one year, the paper said we had 10,000 people a day at our Juneteenth. Three days, 30,000 people. Oh my goodness. Oh, I've tried, but I've never been able to get that audience again. But I keep trying. I haven't given up. Juneteenth has evolved. It's more than a festival. And so I've been a part of it. And then I end up having to do do it myself. (laughs) And 
now you need to know that last year, because we couldn't have a parade, I walked the two and a half miles to symbolize that the enslaved in Texas didn't know they were free for two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation. So the walk turned out to be a caravan. I thought we'd have 10 or 15 cars. We had 300 cars to follow us from the convention center downtown Fort Worth to the Will Rogers complex. That was two and a half miles. And so we're gonna do that again this year. We will start at 10 o'clock at the Evans Avenue Plaza and walk to the county courthouse. That's two and a half miles. And this time they'll start at eight in the morning in LA and Philadelphia, Atlanta, New York will start at 11. It'll be simulcast. And all of us will be doing the same thing at the same time. And you'll hear what we're doing and we'll hear what they're doing. And it is marvelous. That's so exciting. Oh. <laughs> That's super exciting. I, I, I got some good news just a little while ago and I'm gonna share it with you. Okay. The Senate has passed the bill Wait. to make Juneteenth a national holiday. Wait, what? When? Did that just uh, happen? Just happened. Stop oh it. <laughs> oh now, my God. We, now, we wanted to. Now, Go ahead. Now it's left to the House. And if the House. Oh, I, I, I don't even know what. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's so, so amazing. amazing. This is huge. This is literally, wow. Culmination mm. of so much amazing work that you've done. Oh my God. Yeah, totally. Mm. And the house will pass it. I know they will. I know they will. I know they will. I tell you. What does that mean? What does that mean for you? Like, where did this, first of all, can we hear a little bit about like your childhood? I know like a very pivotal moment for you happened in your childhood that really like kind of was a catalyst for a lot of your activism and you know getting into teaching and all that can you kind of explain that background and your childhood and kind of all of that born in marshall texas and when my parents my mother brought us to fort worth in 1937 my parents bought a house uh in a neighborhood that we didn't know we weren't wanted um on the 19th day of June in 1939, these people started gathering. And the paper says it was 500 of them. And the police were there. And when my dad came with the gun, the police told him, if you bust a cap, we'll let the mob have you. So my parents sent us to friends several blocks away. They left under cover of darkness. Those people told that place apart. They burned the furniture. But do you know, our parents never, ever talked to us about it. They worked and they worked and they worked and they bought another house. So I don't know 
how much that had to do with the way I feel now. But I do know that Juneteenth is a unifier, that we should be celebrating Juneteenth from the 19th of June to the 4th of July. We were free on the 4th of July. And I contend that Juneteenth is a unifier, that we celebrate freedom. And I'm not talking about freedom for just Black folk. I'm talking about freedom for all folk. There are indigenous people who have been neglected. I've read about what they did to the Irish and other people when they came over from Ireland, the Asians. So Juneteenth is a unifier. And we're talking about freedom, not just black people, not just people in Texas, but for all people. And if I could just get that over to people, because I advocate that each one teach one, that we need to make ourselves a committee of one, because you know somebody who's not on the same page you are on, and you can change their mind. Of course, if people are taught to hate, they can be taught to love. We could change this whole, the whole thing if we each would do our part. No, I think that is so powerful and so true. And I think there are so many questions in terms of you know, the meaning of this, the impact of this, of course, now with this amazing news, I mean, that's a whole can of worms we can dive into in terms of that reaction. But maybe let's just backstep like a tiny bit for some of our listeners that aren't as familiar. What is Juneteenth? Like what is the original meaning of that date? Well, you need to know that New Year's Eve for years, enslaved people in their churches, in their places of worship, would pray and watch and wait for freedom New Year's Eve. They called it watch night. And do you know some of our churches still have watch night services? And so freedom came to Texas and Galveston on the 19th day of June, 1865, when a General Gordon Granger with maybe 7,000 colored troops, they were from Illinois and New York, landed in Galveston. And he had an order, General Order Number 3, that he read that said, all enslaved people were free. And so I think the troops spread out to tell the people that this was actually true. He nailed the order to the door of what's now Reedy Chapel African Methodist Episcopal Church. And when the people came in from their labor and somebody read that to them, they started celebrating and we've been celebrating ever since. <laughs> Why weren't all slaves freed in 1863 when the Emancipation Proclamation was signed? What's the history there? Why didn't Texas get the memo when everyone else did? They probably did. And it wasn't a memo. Texas is so large. We've been told that from Washington, D.C., they sent a man on a mule, but he got murdered on his way. However, the plantation owners knew, but they needed to get their crops out so they wouldn't tell. And the slaves knew, but there was no enforcement. They couldn't leave until somebody with some authority, said they could. That's why. Makes sense. And then speaking of authority, the federal government always comes in as sort of one of those qualifiers. And in regards to 
this holiday and making it a federal holiday. Can you share some history around the push for making Juneteenth a federal holiday? Oh, I tell you, I belong to a group called the National Juneteenth Observance Foundation, and it was started by a Reverend Ronald Myers. Now, he was a Baptist minister, he was a medical doctor, and he was a jazz musician all rolled into one. A true Renaissance man. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. He was all over these United States, and he's responsible for 46, 47 of the states having Juneteenth celebration. And so he's passed on, but we had it by making his dream come true. And it's become my dream now to make Juneteenth a national holiday. Yeah. And do you mind telling our listeners, too, who aren't very familiar with what who can declare a federal holiday? What is that process? It comes from the Senate and the House of Representatives. And I'm just learning today that the Senate unanimously made Juneteenth a national holiday. It was unanimous? Yes. Ron Johnson said he would not, he would not interfere. He felt like there had already been enough um, talk about it and he wasn't going to filibuster. And the Senate has passed the bill that made it a massive holiday. Now they pass it on to the House and it's left up to the House to 200 odd votes that they need to make it a mess. I, I, I tell you, when I found out, I didn't do the holy dance, I promise, but as soon as that's made it feel, I'm going to do a holy dance. I swear. That is seriously so exciting and like how amazing that we just found out like right before this. That's so exciting. Yeah. Just before this, I found out that the Senate had offered the bill. You see, I was in Washington this spring. I was at the National Press Club and the Senate was just about to declare a national holiday and this one man dissented. Now he had offered to make it a bill, but he was discounting Columbus Day. We could have Juneteenth instead of Columbus Day and it didn't pass. And now he said he's not going to dissent and we got the Senate's vote. That is so exciting. Do you mind telling everyone too about the walks that you've been doing and the advocacy you've been pushing for this to happen and like where all that inspiration comes from? I don't know where it comes from. I just, that at eight or nine years old, I felt like there's got to be something more that I could contribute toward making Juneteenth a national holiday. So gather my pastor, the musicians of the church, a school board member, a county commissioner, and others. And we had a little ceremony. And they sent me off walking two and a half miles from the church to symbolize that the enslaved didn't know they were free for two and a half years. Well, I felt like if I walked from Fort Worth to Washington, D.C., 1,400 miles, somebody would take notice of a little old lady in tennis shoes. Arlington, Grand Prairie, Dallas, Box Spring, Joplin. When my team says, you'll not be able to do it like that because 
someone had promised us an RV so I wouldn't have to go to motels or hotels. And they decided what I was doing was too political. And so they withdrew. Well, my team said, you'll only go where they have Juneteenth celebration and only where you were invited. I was invited all over the year. Ah, Shreveport, Texarkana, Little Rock, Fort Smith, St. Louis, Denver, Colorado, Colorado Springs, Madison, Wisconsin. There was another place in Wisconsin. I was invited to Atlanta and down into the Carolinas. I was all over the place. And so if I left in September 2016, I actually got to Washington January 2017. We had asked President Obama to walk with us from the Frederick Douglass house to the Capitol, but he was in Chicago. I didn't get what I wanted, but I kept on walking and I kept on talking. And I'm so sure Juneteenth's gonna be a national holiday. I can almost taste it. Well, fingers crossed. We're super excited that, I mean, the Senate voted unanimously unheard on something. Of. That's like. <laughs> That's unheard of. So it is unheard of. So that is just Mm. super exciting. And we're, I mean, just no words, just pure excitement, pure excitement. And we will for sure keep all of our listeners updated on what the house does. And hopefully we'll get word on what's, you know, when that's going to be hopefully passed. Well, Thank you so much, first of all, for coming on. I'm we like I couldn't say this enough. How exciting it is that we got to share this news together. How exciting! Delighted. You need to know this. Let your listeners know that I wrote a book called Juneteenth for Children, and that there is a book called Juneteenth: A Celebration, written by uh, Dr. Charles Taylor for older children. Let them know that this is available through Amazon. Okay? Will do for sure. We will definitely plug that. And is there anything our listeners can take away as far as maybe something they can do to ensure that Juneteenth is made a federal holiday? Can they reach out to their representatives? Yes. And give us their signature by going to that opalswalk2dc.com and finding that link. If they do that. Oh, if they give us the surge that says three million people want Juneteenth to be a national holiday, not just one little lady in tennis shoes. One amazing lady in tennis shoes, I might add. That is perfect. And we will be sure to let our listeners know um, where their signature is needed and, of course, the books that they need to buy. But thank you so much for chatting with us. This has been inspiring and amazing. Thank you. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. (laughs) Well, you guys, here we are. Things sure do move quick from Tuesday when we recorded this with Miss Opal Lee, the Senate had just unanimously passed the act to make Juneteenth a federal holiday. The following day, the House overwhelmingly passed the act and sent it over to President Biden's desk to be signed today, aka for you listening yesterday, Thursday. And by the time you're listening to this, Juneteenth will officially be declared a federal holiday. We have definitely made so much progress and hit so many milestones since all of the amazing protests last summer 
And this is definitely one of those. But the fight does not stop here by any means. Juneteenth being a federal holiday when laws are currently being enacted all over the country that are preventing people from even being taught why it's a holiday, aka critical race theory. And there's also just so much still to be done on the front of racial justice. We still need Biden in Congress to do things like ending the filibuster, passing police reform, protecting democracy by passing the For the People Act, addressing health outcomes and black maternal mortality rates, passing the infrastructure bill that invests in childcare and addresses racial injustice, getting serious about reparations, fixing immigration, and so much more. So the fight does not stop here, you guys. So make sure you are spreading the message of Juneteenth, the history, and spreading awareness on why it deserves to be a federal holiday. Make sure all your friends know all about it. This episode is a great little resource for your friends to learn all about Juneteenth on this monumental week and weekend. Spread awareness, celebrate Juneteenth. I know Miss Opal Lee will be, and we will be talking to you guys very soon. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.